Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Hi, um, this is Greg Hutchins. I'm working with Diana Dini, sort of my boss, mentor, discoverer, and leader. On <laughs> you, you keep calling me your boss. <laughs> I don't want the job. <laughs> anyway, the other, the the the, the resident sounding mellifluous voice is Diana Dini, an Hello. engineer, and I'm an engineer too, and we're both mechanicals, and we're going to talk in this episode about uh, why aren't people becoming engineers or STEM people? And uh, how do we get our kids and how do we get people involved and interested in engineering? So a quick story. Um, my dad was an engineer. I'm an engineer too, uh, but I am hopelessly uncoordinated. Well, and. Hmm. What does that have to do with being an engineer? <laughs> so the joke was around our household, my wife had to wore the tool belt. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I come from a lineage of engineers, too. I would consider my dad an engineer, but my uncle's an engineer. My sister is an engineer. My cousin's an engineer. And so am I. And I'm married into a family that has no engineers. <laughs> I, I married into a family that has a bunch of doctors and lawyers and business people in it. So they, uh, you know, um, I do a lot of engineering stuff. I, I'm the one that has all the tools and I do stuff around the house. And uh, yeah, being an engineer is different, isn't it? Well, you know, my life as an engineer is full of fails. And I'll give you one example. I basically am a professional engineer, mechanical engineer, but I'm probably the most incompetent technical engineer in the universe. And that's why I joke that my wife wears the tool belt, because this is a quick story. It's a true story. Uh, early on, I was building cars. So I was taking the head out of a car. And basically, I, you know, the thing was, you know, that had a bunch of bolts holding the head together in an engine, again, reciprocating engine. So what do I do? I, I put a, put a thing on that and I put a cheater bar on it, which is basically an extension. So I don't have to, you know, uh, you know, you know, I've hurt myself trying to take the bolt from the, from the head. Yeah. Yeah. I know I, what you're talking about. Yeah. I've done yeah. that too. Okay. I broke three heads. Oh. <laughs> and basically you had to use some type of quick out here, right? To drill a hole in it and get the bolts out of the engine. But oh, anyway, I'm the most uncoordinated coordinated person in the world as an engineer. And the question is, both Diana and I want to have our kids and other people basically love technology and love engineering. And the question is, how do we do that? How do we get people engaged and interested in this? Yeah, I was, um, I have a 17-year-old and a 12-year-old, and uh -huh. neither of them want to be an engineer. <laughs> and it makes me really sad <laughs> because um, my family was do-it-yourselfers, and, and I am too. Like I said, I have a lot of the tools and do stuff. Well, I get my kids involved as 
as much as I can with safety in mind and everything. Uh, but I try to get them into hands-on and, and learning things. And they do. Um, but they don't they don't want to do engineering. But now my I have friends that have sons the same age. They both want to do engineering. <laughs> so <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. And I'll say, well, if they ever want to talk to me about engineering, let me know, you know, and, and they don't want to. <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I haven't found out the answer to get younger people interested. You know, I, I do mentoring. Um, I try to help the neighbor kids out and be a good example for them too. And uh, it is, uh, it is a challenge. And I'm, I'm not sure why. Maybe it's just my kids. What's been your experience, Greg? Well, when my daughter, and we have one daughter, she's now graduating from University of Oregon State University. She started out as a mechanical uh, engineer, <laughs> went into computer science, went into cyber. Now she's doing business as an intern with a bunch of companies. But the interesting thing is the fact that she's an engineer who can do computers, who can communicate, really puts her in a nice position. You I mean, know, she has like the soft skill communication Bingo. skills. Is that what you mean? Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Uh, so we started very, very early uh, bringing her into the Intel, you know, out here on the West Coast. And I'm in, in Oregon. We have the Intel Awards. And the Intel Awards are the premier awards for STEM. Oh, and, I didn't know, know anything about this. Hmm. Yeah, they're a national award. And I brought her in at 14 as a judge. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Intel, I mean, uh, IEEE, which is Institute of Electrical Electronic Engineers. Yeah. Uh, is one of the big groups like ASME for ASME for mechanical, ASQ for quality. And they would sponsor, as well as, well as with Intel, these awards. So, you know, I, she started <laughs> following us. And then eventually at 16, actually became a judge. So she got involved that way. And then uh, what got her interested in technology wasn't the engineering or the math. It was the decision-making and the <laughs> way of engineering, the way that engineers solve problems. That's what really got her engaged. Oh, so maybe I've been doing the whole, hey, get in here and do stuff. <laughs> but yeah, maybe refund, yeah, refund that wrench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> By the time my kid was was three, he knew the difference between a Phillips head and a flat head. <laughs> but maybe, yeah, maybe uh, the problem solving aspect of engineering, huh? That, so yes. she got introduced to that through being a judge on on that award. Mm -hmm. And she just simply got visibility for looking at and, and evaluating. So as a judge at 16 for the Intel Awards, she couldn't evaluate her peer group in high school. So she would be evaluating middle school students. So a lot of the people were 12 years old and she was 16, you know, and she would be evaluating their projects. But more importantly, how they presented the projects and their logic flow 
in terms of, you know, coming up with a little diagrams with a little, you know, what would you call it? Folders, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and the way they would present their information. So that's how she got interested. Now uh, she's <laughs> looking at engineering as a stepping stone uh, in terms of making money. So her favorite T-shirt that she wears all the time basically has unicorn on it. You know what a unicorn is? Uh, <laughs> I feel like this is a trick question. You're, you're setting is. me up for something here. I did. I did. A unicorn is a company with a billion dollar market cap meaning it's worth a billion dollars. So she uses that as a way, as a sort of a shorthand, right, to run around saying she, <laughs> she's going to be a female CEO running a unicorn company. Oh, so, good for her. Well, I use that as a trick and problem solving as a trick to get her engaged. You know, not in terms of, you know, memorizing the tables, the multiplication tables, or doing calculus and all that stuff, right? It was a way for her to sort of say, yeah, you know, I'm going to be one of those (laughs) folks who are becoming the heroes of our generation, you know, the Elon Musks. Well, why don't we have a female one? I don't know. Maybe it's Diana Dini. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I'm the next Elon Musk. (laughs) You know. Oh, boy. So that's, it's interesting. Um, You know, why don't we have more engineers out there? You know, we have a lot of lawyers, we have a lot of business types, but when the whole world is technology-based, you think a lot more of us would be technical types. Yeah, wanting to design and develop it. And Hmm. commercialize and monetize. (laughs) So with my daughter, every third world word I use is not design, but monetize, you know, commercialize, scale, and monetize. And, you know, by predisposition, she's like that now. Everything she sees is, gee, dad, do you think we can make money out of that? Or do you think more importantly, can I make money out of that? And I think that's one way to get kids involved. What's in it for them? What's their future going to be? How they can, how can they create their future? Just a thought. You know, every kid's different. <laughs> well, here, I'm going to, I encourage engineers to go to the schools on career day you uh-huh, know, uh-huh. And, and talk about the careers and stuff. So let me explain to you or describe to you what I did at the last career day. Absolutely. And you might have some ideas that could make it even better the next time I do it. Are you up for that? Absolutely. I'm okay, all ears. So- so I, I divided the classroom into, I think it was about six groups of four. We tried to make it equal. And mm-hmm. I presented them with a problem. And the problem was to make some sort of refrigerated cooler for a van. And this was like just after a lot of the COVID stuff. So we, we had all these COVID reasons for wanting to do this. <laughs> so I, I represented different hats. I had different, uh, different hats, not physically, but, you know, I would say I'm putting on my customer hat. What questions do you have? So I kind of represented a cross-functional team. Like I'm part of marketing or I'm, I'm the one that, uh, produces the cars. Do you have any questions for me? So it's sort of a, them doing investigation 
field work into what the problem really was and what kind of limitations they may have with their design. And then I had them mock up a design. Like you get together, you have five minutes, draw up a design. Mm -hmm. And then I had them take their designs or papers, said, okay, now I drew on the board, you know, you come up with your research, you come up with an idea, you figure out how to make it. I said, now take your papers and move them from your group and give it to the next group and go Mm -hmm. all the way around the classroom. So everybody's getting a brand new design and now they have to figure out how to make it. They're like, well, we didn't design this. How are we supposed to make it? Like, well, you know, try to figure it out. And mm-hmm. so we, we did that all through the whole design process. And they, you know, they really thought that they were going to design something and be the ones to figure out how to make it, take it through the whole process. But I interrupted it and said, you, you got to give it to the next team to be able to interpret what it is that you were doing and communicate it. It was really interesting for me to see because some of the kids were like, why is there a piece of pizza in here? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, you know, or why is this? I said, no, you can't really go change a design unless you need to, to be able to make it or for it to fit into the car or something. So I, I thought it was an engaging activity, but you bring up an interesting point about um, not so much solving problems right? Or getting in there and doing things, but engineering as a, as a decision-making capabilities, which maybe my demo was missing. What do you, what do you think? What, what, what's some of the things I could do to improve that next time? Ah, boy, I think it's terrific. I'll share with you what I did and that I learned just a couple of years ago, because we were doing workshops with adults And um, it's basically one of the things that I learned and that I used in the book that you were so kind to review. So I start with the end in mind. Again, the end in mind is one of Stephen Covey's main uh, points, right? Yeah. And I ask people three questions. Who do you want to be? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Three questions. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be a millionaire? Do you want to be a physician? You know, what what do you want to be? Where do you want to go? And what do you want to do? So I start with the end. And then I have them sort of physically think about it, taste it, actually be into that moment, right? Who, you know, what's your end in mind? What's your goal? Again, you see that in the book, right? (laughs) And then I have them work backwards. What are the obstacles? Or... In my case, what are the risks that are stopping you from being who you want to be, going where you want to go, or doing what you want to do? And that's the decision-making that I really focus on. And then I try to help people uh, actually reach their goal, their dream, their, you know, whoever they want to be, go or do, and have them identify the obstacles and actually look at each one of the obstacles, risks, and how they can basically manage it, mitigate it, uh, accept it, and then have them basically taste that or visualize that or actually have them feel that. That way it becomes real to them. 
So I start with the end in mind, the goal, the objective, the destination, and then work backwards. So but then the part of working backwards is um, understanding where you are now yep, compared absolutely. to where you want to go. Yep. And then taking some time and maybe doing some research to identify those obstacles and yep. the risks, which is like, which is what we do in engineering, right? Absolutely. End in mind, but it's just applying it to someone's personal decisions and their life choices. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I try to do that for everything, quite honestly. It's, again, it's not my idea. It's really Stephen Covey's and many other people. Start with the end in mind. In my case, it's who do you want to be, where do you want to go, and what or what do you want to do? And then go backwards. And that requires self-reflection. It requires understanding where are you now, right? And looking at the gaps. And those gaps are obstacles. And every one of those can often be overcome. But it takes a deliberative approach. It takes a problem-solving approach. And it make, takes a decision-making approach. This is what I want. I'm going to go after it, and I'm I'm going to succeed. Just a thought. Do those viewpoints, do they translate to people being more interested in STEM because of the process that they take? Or, you know, we, we started out... Uh, my kids, I was crying because my kids aren't interested in engineering. <laughs> and I try to force it into them through physical labor <laughs> or watching me doing physical labor with stuff around the house. But uh, now we're kind of talking about thought processes and decision making. That's right. That engineers typically do. I can certainly see in a, in a like a career fair day talking to the kids about that from you know i'm an engineer and this is how i approach problems but i don't uh i think that would be beneficial to them i don't know if that would encourage them to be engineers i guess it, i could try it and find out right well you know it's interesting you use the word force and force implies pushing i would rather use the word pulling mm -hmm. if they have a vision they, they want to do something, and they have a predisposition to technology. It can be gaming. It can be, golly, just simply playing with a computer with TikTok. If they have a predisposition for that, and this is something that they want to do. Remember, we have three things that you know we start out with. Who do you want to be? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? If they have a predisposition to understanding TikTok, for example, they can do 30-second videos, put them up, Maybe become an influencer. That's a pull. That's a nudge. Because I've seen this with my daughter. I've seen this with kids at University of uh, Oregon State University. I try to push. There's this instant reaction, right? It's almost like <laughs> F equals MA, right? There's a, you know, that, <laughs> that, that pushback, you know, the resentment that, yeah. So I try to pull a nudge based upon what their dream is, you know, who they want to be or where they want to go. Different approach. 
Is it a better approach? Probably not, but it's a different approach. You know, it's a softer, it's a decision-making approach. And hopefully, if they even do TikTok videos, they're using technology. If they're using technology, hopefully they'll understand it. If they're in a gaming, they should be looking at UI UX, you know, you know, um, user interface, user experience, right? That'll pull them into technology. And that's the way I try to do that. At least with my mm. daughter, I try to do that with the university. Does it work all the time? <laughs> Maybe not, but you know, that's our approach. I see because what you're they... saying. And and I'm on board and I do that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I it part of it is looking to see what what they're interested in and then helping mm-hmm. to give them opportunities to be able to uh reach that and to think about those obstacles and and that kind of thing. Uh when they're when we're talking about young people before college elementary school um it's it's also also just exposing them to different things and the way the world works and how to do things for yourself and that's what i think of when i when when i say force them to do things <laughs> i know it's, i just uh, picked up word yeah i i know but I, but i'm thinking you know that's that's how i learned stuff i was uh you know somebody was doing something and i had to go help or at least stand there with my hands outside of my pockets <laughs> i couldn't stand there with my hands in my pockets that was a thing <laughs> but it, but there's you know there's there's a, an age and a time for that but i certainly agree that seeing what people are interested in and then helping them approach technology in that way too is, um, it's nicer. I try to do that at work as I mentor people in engineer who are engineers, even professional engineers. Um, I almost do that with my, you know, with my family, try to induce change as opposed to force change and induce change is nudging, mentoring uh <laughs> you know have them try to figure out what would the outcome be what would the design look like what type of features functionality would it have what are the key quality attributes for example what type of reliability would we want with a product and then have them work backwards taking that risk-based approach mm-hmm and then using that as a nudge for them to <laughs> figure out what are the, all the obstacles or risks between where they are with a product to where it can be. That's also a very, um, that can be a very user-centered approach too, because you're talking about, you know, what, what do you want the reliability to be, which ultimately is, is for the customer whoever is going to be using it so you have to start thinking about them instead of forcing forcing designs into a box hmm. i don't know if i don't know if i'm going to be the next elon musk greg <laughs> well uh why not why not you know it, you know diana musk that's got a nice little ring oh too. no that sounds like i'm married to the guy <laughs> oh well no, that's thanks. true that's true yeah that's true <laughs> You know, uh, uh, <laughs> or maybe a sister, a long lost cousin, something like that. 
that's okay. <laughs> anyway, um, it, you know, just sort of to wrap this up, we can basically have a customer. We can capture the voice of the customer. What type of experiences does she or she want with a product? What type of attributes, quality attributes, do we want with a product? And with each of the quality attributes, we can put a reliability on that or some other type of quality to it and start building into the product. And again, that's basically going back from, you know, starting with the end in mind and moving backwards. That's our approach. Anyway, just something to think about. Yeah. Well, if you have any comments to add about getting people interested in technology, and engineering, either people that you are trying to help figure out what their later career is going to be, or like Greg said, coaching people at work. Uh, do you have any other suggestions or techniques, or did you have an aha moment today? Uh, tell us about it at the comments at ascendoreliability.com slash SOR. Oh, sorry ascenderreliability.com slash go slash SOR. And that will get you to a comment page where you can leave a comment and we'll get it. Do you have anything else to add, Greg? Thank you, boss. No, I appreciate your guidance and wisdom <laughs> you, today. You did it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, the fact that you wore the tool belt, you know, just sort of intimidated me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. I will talk to you later, Greg. Always okay. enjoyable speaking with you. Always. Thank you very much, Diana. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show. Please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.